I absolutely love the image of blind guides. I think it's just the funniest thing, and I think it gets the Pharisees totally right. Uh, This is Matthew 15, on with the Pharisees once again. Uh, He said, and he called the people to him and said, in verse 10, hear and understand, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. Then the disciples came and said to him, do you know that the Pharisees were scandalized when they heard this saying? And it's like super scandalized. (laughs) And Jesus probably is like, heck yeah, I know they're scandalized. I said it. Uh, He answered, every plant which my heavenly father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit. The funniest thing about the image, obviously, as a blind guide is you're blind and you know you're blind, and yet you're trying to lead people places. Um, and this imagery, once again, comes from Isaiah 29. If you didn't hear my episode, uh, the last episode, that's the one to start with for Isaiah 29. But in verse 9, we have, stay yourselves and wonder, cry ye out and cry. They are drunken, but not with wine. They stagger, but would not, not with strong drink. There's imagery of uh, being different translation have the blind guide statement there. Um, Yeah. Ponder these things once in your mind and wonder blinded are they themselves and they blind guides of others. They are drunken, but not with wine. They are unstable, but not enough with strong drink. And so Isaiah 29 is with this again. And this people is far from me. Uh, they they draw near with me with their mouth and with their lips they do honor me, but they have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by precept of men, and not actually you know internally. So let them alone; they are blind guides. And if a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into the pit. But Peter said to him, "Explain this parable to us." <laughs> I find this really funny because, it, you know, okay, what's the parable? Um, so he makes this out, Jesus makes this outrageous statement at the beginning. I mean, it is, it is outrageous. Hear and understand not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. Okay, why is this outrageous? All of the laws regarding eating. I mean, yeah, pork, it's a big deal, right? <laughs> um, and in the next story, we're about to hear about a Canaanite, and one of the things that Canaanites do is eat pork, right? Uh, and one of the things that definitely distinguishes the Jews was their eating habits. Um, if you remember, if you go back to the the book of Daniel, you have Daniel being a vegetarian because there were so many things in Babylon he couldn't eat that he didn't want to get polluted. And so he was just a vegetarian, and he was very strict about his diet. Um, and so one thing the Jews are known for is their strict dietary laws. So why is this outrageous? He calls the people to him and says, hear and understand. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles man, but what comes out of his mouth, this defiles a man. The disciples come to him and say, yeah, the Pharisees are like losing their mind. Like they just came to you earlier in the previous like paragraph and asked, hey, uh, you guys don't wash your hands. And then all of a sudden you're telling them like you can eat anything. What is wrong with you? Right. <laughs> But then Jesus answered, every plant which my heavenly father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. Peter is like losing his mind over here. He's like, I, I'm not following you, Jesus. 
you you just told this thing about blind guides. Didn't you just tell us about eating? So Jesus says, are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and so passes on? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a man. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, and slander. These are what defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. And I I feel like there's some irony here. There's, you know, look, it's the big stuff, you know, it's out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, and slander. Like, these are what defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. Okay. So I, I talked in the previous episode about law and these legal structures that they have constructed. They're they're basically they're hiding their more you know murderous, adulterous, theft, false witness, slander. They're hiding these things, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the evil rulers, by all the external things, the phylacteraries they wear, the the uh, the ritual purity and all this type of stuff, because their hearts are not hearts of uh, of of flesh. Uh, you know, they're not hearts that are filled with the Holy Spirit, that are filled with the love of God. They become the accusers. Now, it's an interesting title for the devil, the diabolo, diabole, the the divider, that he becomes the accuser. What does this mean? Well, it's the constant accusation of breaking the law. That it's the the what the accuser does is he takes the sinfulness of man and makes it the defining characteristic of man. That because you're a sinner, you need <laughs> you know you get crushed by your sins. He he accuses you and accuses you. And what what are the Pharisees doing but running around and accusing Christ? He doesn't fit in their picture. <laughs> he doesn't fit in their power structure that they've constructed. Unwashed hands and all this stuff. And so what what Christ is saying here is it's not what goes into the mouth passes into the stomach it goes on what comes out of but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart and this defiles man that this internalization of the law that we had seen in the beatitudes and in the sermon on the mount that this represents the fulfillment of the law that the law was meant to lead you to calling out to God for grace for the holy spirit And now through Christ, we have that grace. And it's the freedom of the sons of God in truth. This isn't some exposition of liberty in a a generic sense, that you have ultimate liberty as an individual. That's silly and it's modern. What this is, is the liberty to do the good. The liberty to do the good. So let's take Our Lady for, for instance. Mary was immaculately conceived, and that means completely conceived without sin, and because of this, she could not sin. Was she less free than we are? No. <laughs> she was way more free. Because if you understand sin is hamartia, which is missing the mark, that what sin is, is you're not choosing between two opposites, the good and evil, pure evil. You're choosing between two goods, a lesser good and a greater good. And when you're choosing your e- an evil, what you're doing is you're, you're trying to, you're knowingly going away from the good. You're choosing something you know to be wrong and you're perverting that good. And so your freedom actually gets constrained by sin. And that freedom really flourishes in your participation in the good. And so when 
the spirit is poured into our hearts through the incarnation and through baptism. Now we can participate fully in the good. Now the law has become internalized. And what the Pharisees are doing, instead of looking for that law, looking for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that leads them to grace, they are blind guides leading blind men into the pit. Precept upon precept, law upon law, the law is becoming this external means for their power. And not only that, it is hiding their greater sins. So Paul will talk about this. Paul was a Pharisee. He was uh, trained in the law. And according to the law, he was blameless. Now he says this phrase that he was blameless. What does he mean by it? Well, what Paul actually means by it is he literally thought he was blameless according to the law that he did everything the law said, because what the Pharisees had done in constructing the system is basically make themselves impeccable, make themselves infallible in a way that's totally against the law. And so these are not what defile a man. To eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. So crazy statement. Now we get a story that backs it up. Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Tyre and Sidon are outside of Israel. They're in Gentile territory. And behold, a Canaanite woman came from that region and cried out. Okay, this would have been entirely anachronistic. The Canaanites did not exist at that time (laughs) as a people, as like a people you could point to, you know. It was like, it'd be like now, well, I mean, that's, that'd be a bad example with the Native Americans because, you know, they do have tribal identity, but it, it would be like saying some random British tribe person, you know, like, uh, I don't even know, some Saxon walked into London, a London bar. It's like, Saxon? There really aren't any Saxons around, you know, there's not no, no angles and jutes. It's all, all just Englishmen. So all of a sudden it's, and behold, a Canaanite woman came from the region. So Matthew's showing the deeper significance, you know, um, she probably was a Canaanite, but by descent, but he's showing that this is a person that is, you know, the opposite of the Israelites. They were the ones, the Canaanites were the ones who were sitting in on the land of Israel, on the promised land, when the Israelites were trying to march through. So a Canaanite woman from that region came and cried out, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely possessed by a demon, but he did not answer her a word. And the disciples came and begged him saying, send her away for she is crying after us. He answered, Sent only, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not fair to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith, be it done for you as you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Okay, there's a lot going on here. So I already pointed out the Canaanite woman being anachronistic. Remember, the Canaanites are the um, they're just they're the descendants of Ham and uh, Noah's wife, Ham's mother. Uh, the land of Canaan was cursed by Noah, and Canaanites and his descendants were cursed by Noah um, because of the incestuous union of Ham and his mother. And you can go read about this in Genesis. And so the Canaanites were the people who ended up in the promised land when the Israelites were coming through. And so they had to be kicked out of their land. And they had all these pagan uh, sacrifices and practices that the Israelites ended up adopting a number of them. And uh, 
that was a, definitely a problem. So we have this Canaanite woman coming, say, coming and saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. And this would have been a, a big a big deal because the Davidic kingdom was already looking to become a light to the nations. And all the peoples were coming to Jerusalem to hear the wisdom of God. And so for him, for her to say, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, is a, a great sign of um, a great sign of faith. For my daughter is severely possessed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying after us. Like the disciples begged him. In the Greek, it's very strong that like this lady was extremely persistent. Jesus answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This is like the mission statement. And Christ's mission was to Israel, primarily. It was to the whole world. But his active mission was to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You know, Jesus didn't go to Europe. He didn't go to China. He didn't go to Africa. It was to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, why does he appoint 12 apostles? Because they're the ones who are, you know, he's leading the 12 apostles. But in his earthly life before the resurrection, he is only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And this is the reason why he set up his headquarters in Capernaum, why he's done all these things in the north in Galilee, because that's where historic Israel used to be before the deportation. So you have this Canaanite woman coming to him and asking for a healing, and he said, it's, it's, this isn't my time to heal you, is what he's trying to say. But she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it is not fair to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. This would have been a very uh, derogatory statement. And I, I don't want to soften the blow. Uh, he calls her a dog. And historically, this would have been um, how the Jews would have viewed the Canaanites. And the part of the Canaanite worship, the pagan worship, was uh, historically was actually certain incestual unions that would happen as part of their worship ceremonies and very strange marital practices. And also they reviewed, you know, all sorts of terrible things in the Canaanite practices. Uh, child sacrifice was a part of it in some areas. And so it is not fair to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. This would have been felt with full force. And the Canaanite woman can take it or leave it. She can become offended by it and by her people and say, you know, we haven't done these things and I'm, I'm offended by this. But she said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table where she recognizes her humble state and asks for grace. <laughs> she, she doesn't try to hide the sins. She doesn't get overwhelmed by the fact of her state and that Christ has said, I've coming, I'm come for the lost sheep of the house of Israel first. But she has this great faith, and Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith, be it done for you as you desire, and her daughter was healed instantly. What a whiplash between the reaction of the Pharisees, thinking they know greater than Christ, saying, you know, you don't wash your hands, and thinking they're perfect, and this woman whom Jesus insults, and let's not lessen the blow, he insults her and says, you are of the people who are dog-like in their practices and who have oppressed the people of Israel 
and all this stuff. And she still comes with humility and says, yes, Lord, this has all happened. But even the dogs eat from the crumbs that fall from the master's table, that this great faith in this son of David in Christ, and she comes in faith. She doesn't deny her previous sins. She repents for him and for her people and comes to Christ in faith and he heals her. And Jesus went on from there and passed along the Sea of Galilee. And great crowds came up to him, bringing with him the lame, the maimed, the blind, the dumb, and many others. And they put them at his feet and he healed them. So the throng wondered when they saw the dumb speaking, the maimed whole, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. This is the faith that he's demanding. The internalization of the law that he's come to to bring. And the Canaanite woman, uh, (laughs) even getting called a dog, she still recognizes her need for Christ and her uh, demand is met. Yep. So, man, uh, if I can give a little gloss here, a little personal um, thing with doing the series, I'm I'm tr- I'm starting to learn a lot about the Pharisees, and you know I, I've thought about just entitling one of these things, do like a six parter on the Pharisees. Because why do the gospel spend so much time on the Pharisees and what they represent? And and how perennial is this temptation that the Pharisees are doing to externalize the law, to become separate, make make your holiness separate from others, um, to create structures of sin? I mean, it, it, there's so much there. Uh, and there's so much that we can learn from those who come to Christ in faith all throughout the gospels from those who throw themselves at Christ and say, Lord, save me. Lord, my son is sick. Lord, my daughter is sick. Lord, here's my ailment. Lord, here are my sins. Lord. I mean, it's just the faith of these people in the gospels. And then the unbelief of the Pharisees, it is staggering when you read it, when you really delve into it, just the depths of humanity that come out in the gospels. It's so real. It's like super real. That's that's the whole point of the Gospels. It's it's perennial. It's it's amazing. Gospel New Year. What can I say? All right, that's gonna wrap it up for this. I'll see you in the next one.